when really I've only been in this for almost three years. Dude, think about like <laughs> 20 years from now when we're sitting around talking about shit. We're like, remember our podcast? <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. Like, you remember when we talked about all this shit that currently exists now? <laughs> like, Dad, what do you know about Bitcoin? Well, you know, we started one of the first podcasts. We had one of the biggest podcasts there was. So go fuck yourself, son. Yeah. yeah. You ever heard of the Make It Rain app? That was us. <laughs> all right. You're the creator of Noble Bits? What? <laughs> you came up with escrow your shit with that escrow my bits? Well, it wasn't me, son. But I did. They were our sponsors for a while. <laughs> That's the best jingle there is. Ah, <laughs> uh, Noble Bits is taken. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This is episode number 44, and I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. Host number three, Corey. And this special <laughs> midweek episode. <laughs> what was that? Pauses, man. Gotta have that, dramatic pauses. That was so much suspense. Jello. Uh, I was I was doing the dramatic pause too. Uh, <laughs> we're we're brought to you by escrowmybits.com, which is a really cool sponsor because they're super fast and easy and it's only going to take you 3 steps to do it. All you do is register and deposit your bitcoin. As always the seller will ship your item, you check the goods and then you release the funds. And they also offer bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. They charge a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all the transactions, and they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. Come on. They've thought of everything, and the escrow my bits, they were created to solve all the problems wrong, and there's lots of problems with the other escrow services. Their goal is to make using it as simple as possible, so head on over to their website, escrowmybits.com. Mm-hmm. So uh, at this special midweek episode, you know, we talk <clears throat> positively about Bitcoin, and we like to kind of raise the community up and and sing its praises but there's been a little bit of unraveling and i feel like we it's our duty it's our responsibility to address it and i feel like we're all up to speed right about kind of what's going on with the community yeah man it's like uh 50 50 uh, goddamn sith versus jedi and that i don't mean one sith the other jedi but it's definitely split and very polarized and the thing that i was most scared of when i got into bitcoin is that is the human factor of using this new technology and having it is always going to creep in and it feels like it has crept in to the community and there's just a bunch of stupid shit going on so everywhere i look people are exclaiming say bitcoin is going to fail full yeah it won't (laughs) it's not but it's 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 human nature to 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 be tribal i mean that's that's how we are we want to belong to a certain community and there's no better way to join forces with someone than to hate somebody else it's the easiest way to to relate to somebody without having to actually talk to them and understand what they care about if you both hate something then you're friends. It's just it's 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 the base, mm-hmm. simple way to feel like you're a part of a community, and that's what people typically do when they aren't comfortable with a certain scenario or ignorant of how it works. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 essentially akin to like Republicans versus Democrats. You're American first. Who gives a shit? Yep. It's it's the Things will happen one way or the other. That doesn't mean that the entire system is going to collapse. It's been going back and forth from Republican to Democrat since the dawn of the United States, but America is still there and America is still strong. It, like, what's, what's the issue? Like, you don't have to, when you meet someone, you don't have to go first 
you know, are you are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? Oh, you're one of those guys. I can't be your friend. It's like, all right, cool. Uh, we have difference of opinions, but we're still American. Yeah. It, and but that's not that's not the feeling you get when you when you read or hear or you know talk about discussions like this for the for the block size. Very when the, the block size like- isn't that big of a deal in terms of the proportion it's been blown into. Yes, it's important. Yes, it changes the way things will go forward depending on what solution gets put into place. But it isn't the end all be all of Bitcoin. If one if one thing happens, it doesn't. It's not destined to fail. Go ahead, Cello. You were gonna. Well, I brought it up, and then Corey started laughing because his his faith is so strong in it. But the fact that people are leaving over this just shows how serious of an issue this has become. Who's People's leaving? faith. Every, they're everywhere I look on the internet. People are saying that their faith has been shook, and it might get better, it might get worse. But me included, I'm hoping that Bitcoin's anti-fragility prevails again, and it comes out stronger than ever. So a lot of people think that. The Blockstream has ulterior motives, and they're actively shaping Bitcoin into a, a tool that best serves them rather than the broader community. And we're a part of the broader community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but, you know, I simply don't trust them that much after, you know, condoning repeated censorship of, of opinion, stalling the block size debate, then shifting the block size argument into an opportunity to, like, propose other soft forks, which are drastically going to change the economics of Bitcoin. And have you I, have you did know, you read man. that article I put up the other day to you guys about if, uh, if I think the title was if I was a green beret this is how I would kill Bitcoin? Yeah, I did read that. Yeah, one. it was intense. It's, it's there's there I'm not I'm not tough. going to say that that is what's happening, but that could be what's happening. I mean, it's social anxiety is the cheapest and quickest way to cause a rift in any system. We've, we, I've said it before that the, the, the assholes of a community are typically the loudest. And there is a vast majority of people that simply aren't speaking up. I mean, the, we're, we're hearing like the, the, the complainers that you're hearing about is a very, very small minority that's screaming out loud. So that's what you see. And you, and, it, and it's, it's affecting people. It's affecting Marcello, but I'm telling you, it, it he doesn't need to. Bitcoin's going to be fine. It's going to remain strong. And if these people leave, then they'll probably leave and come back when they realize they left because they're little bitches. Little baby back bitches. I mean, I, well, the, I guarantee the, you. The majority of though, the improvements, the, the, the majority of the improvements of Bitcoin over the years are because of these same people, though. I'm, I'm so, not saying that. Yeah, you're right. Like Mike Hearn leaving and the things that he did uh, definitely forced the, forced the conversation. Um, and that's what – but – and he kind of – I think someone uh, put it nicely. He won the battle that he sacrificed himself for. Yeah. Uh, and it had – I guess – I'm sorry it had to come to that, but – we're still learning how to deal with some of these issues because it's very human. It's a very human thing to throw this much value and to organize a community of such an important network that doesn't have a real leader because it's open source, decentralized without Satoshi Nakamoto walked away as our benign dictator. (laughs) And we've been here to pick up the pieces and try to figure out a way to do that when nothing like that has ever happened in the history of humankind. To this scale. Yeah, definitely not. And if we're able to pull it off and continue working the way we've been doing it, then that's that's a human achievement in itself. And there will be yeah. there will be bruised knees and hurt feelings and little bitches along the way. I'm still in the I'm still at the point where I feel we need to start making some organizations and getting organized and coming up with protocols for the humans dealing with this shit. I think protocols- there's for that, like Bitcoin's gonna be fine. It's the technology, it's running, it's crunching numbers, you know, verifying transactions, miners, nodes, all that shit. It's gonna be fine. But at the end of the day, we're talking about humans being human, and this shit that I see, this whole we have consensus, we don't. Oh, we have consensus. Psych, we don't have consensus. Then some other dude comes from left field and he's like, "Fuck that! I got a new thing. Fuck all that consensus. This shit is dumb, and it looks dumb." If I'm on the outside looking in. I'm definitely not going to get in. 
Well, who? And 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 and, and, and I mean, if you're on the outside looking in, who are you? Okay, if you're a if normal I'm Joe Schmo. What are you looking at? If I'm you a know, Joe Schmo on the street, I probably don't even know what Bitcoin is. In fact, we did that experiment that's in the last a, show. A, but I'm but I'm talking about that. Like it's like the people who get into Bitcoin aren't going to look as deep as we are. You think so? I, I no. think when like you know like I was getting in the audio equipment last year, and the first thing I did when I got in the audio equipment is I went on forums, I went on boards, I went on discussion panels. You're right. Don't, that that, don't, don't that media do might that? be changing. You're right. That may, you know that that form of educating yourself may be changing uh, the way people do things now. Forums may be the new way people educate themselves on a given topic, especially Reddit. Yeah. So yeah, it's, you're right. If if that's if they if the first thing they do is like, I want to learn about Bitcoin, Bitcoin.reddit.com. Uh, what? Yeah, like what is going on behind the scenes here? That and, this shit is dumb. And know? D, you said it for the first time in three years. Your your faith is. It's little. a little bit shaken by the bullshit going on with this consensus debate. Like, I've never, for the first time in three years, I've ever been like, hold up, Bitcoin. We need to pump the brakes and assess the situation. Because, I mean, like I said, the tech's going to be fine. I'm talking about the human aspect. Okay, but if the human aspect, I mean, if, if Bitcoin breaks and mm-hmm. it's because of the human aspect, who do you, like, where do you, and the next big thing happens. Who do you think is going to join that next big thing? Me. The, all the shitty humans that left Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. Because it broke. Yeah. It's not like they're just going to disappear. <laughs> or they're not gonna, and they're not going to yell somewhere else. That's they're right. going to join the same community because they've invested so much time in the technology. They're going to move to something similar that's comfortable. You know there's going to be a few people that are like, fuck digital currencies, all of them, forever. There's, there's always there's like always that. fanatics, you know. The only cello, I also say that because yesterday I tried to do some shape shifting. Shout out to Eric Voorhees, and the damn congestion in the blockchain fucked up my whole plans. Fucked them all up. I tried to shift some big. I saw your frustrations. Yeah, man. Are you sure it was? I'm 100 percent sure they got the money and then they. How was it? If they got the money, then it could have been congestion. Well, because they had to get the money in a 10-minute window, and it hadn't gone into a block in, in uh, a 10-minute window. Because I, I use ShapeShift that whole day and, and had it, zero issues. And it's not even like – I don't know how – I shouldn't – no, I do know the particular. I sent the money, and it didn't – like, you know, when you send it to ShapeShift, first they see that the transaction is there, right? And then they mm-hmm. shift it. And then they send it out to the whatever wallet. That you At what point did it did it stop? If the you know the first step where it says waiting for transaction. It did that for like deposit. twenty minutes waiting for deposit. It did that for like twenty minutes, oh. and I was like, "What? I sent it. Here's the ticket, and here's everything." Well, what ended up happening is they got my money, but it was after the the window had expired. So then they just ended up having to send my money back, and then I had to shift it again. But damn, man, I missed out on a dollar twenty-five, dollar fifty cents change in ether because of it, and that was frustrating. I was like, "Shit, I could have got an even better deal." Mm. But it's still the congestion yeah. is an yeah. issue, and the fact that it can't be handled simply when it's such a simple problem to, if not fix. Like, kick down the road a little bit. So it gives us more time and a little less pressure to think about a better solution. Why can't it just be done? That's the thing that is aggravating me. You know? it could, it be, could it be an issue that um, right now the wallet technology isn't caught up to the potential of a fee market because it's they were created based on the essentially quick – Almost feeless transactions. Yeah, and, I can see and because, that. Because the block size wasn't full, they didn't think it would be full anytime soon or that the scalability issue would be solved by now, that they didn't create any measures to automatically change fees based on the congestion or the current fee market. You know, it, I think that's a great theory, man. And it does make sense because there's a shit ton of wallets out there, not just the popular ones. Like, there's a lot of wallets. Some people build their own wallets and run their own wallets. So if all these wallets haven't adjusted to the fact that they have to raise their fee, 
then that could be what's creating this. this because even, if, even Shatoshi said in the white paper that, yeah, if you will rise and, it'll, and your free transaction will happen, it'll just take a lot longer. And yeah. that's, that's what we're seeing happening, essentially. I mean, so it, 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 if, the, if the technology behind the wallet and dealing with the fee isn't there yet, these things happen. And yeah. the end user, because they don't give a shit, complains because Bitcoin's broke. I'm not saying that that's 100% of the issue and it doesn't need to be addressed from the core development. I mean, even if they just said this out loud, yeah. the developer's like, hey, just fix your wallets. It's not an issue. We're trying to you know, change the fees until it gets fixed <laughs> and then you can move the fees back down. It's fine. It's still a cent or two. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I did that's see- what I said at the top of the show when I said that if the blocks are full, Bitcoin will become like a luck-based payment protocol. The confirmation time has no certainty. And then the final amount transferred has no certainty either. In fact, you're not even sure your transaction will ever get through. Basically, the whole uh, system is unusable. You, you understand what the current fee market is at the same time you send a transaction. Yeah. That's people that are up up on it. You know, I, under, I understand. And if I were running, I would have – I've I've always sent like just a little bit more than the what the minimum fee required. Because I want my damn transactions to get through. And it's pretty, I mean, if you know it's built into the system that as time goes on, fees will go up. You know, and we're at a point where what, I think I saw three out of three out of four Bitcoins are going to be mined soon. 75% of them. I mean, fees are going to go up eventually. But it's it, when I say fees, it's not like, you know, your rent goes up. There was one post I saw that was awesome. It was like, Oh, boo-hoo, my point zero 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 one fee went to point zero 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 two. Woe is me. Like, it's not that damn much. Yeah, and if your wallet doesn't automatically do that and you don't understand this concept, then you're going to have issues and be upset. Yeah. And, 21 and you're going to scream and be the loudest. 21's building a client that does have automatic. Automatic. Yeah. Uh, you got to keep your client software open the whole time. No. Whenever you send it, whenever you send a transaction, you're going to open up your client server and it checks yeah. these things and it, it, it automatically updates the price when you open up your, your client to check, to make the conversion of the, you know, cup of coffee you want to buy. Yeah. Why can't it just at the same time check for what the current fee is and tag that on? Fixes can be made. You I mean, know, I think- it's one of those things that Andreas always says is that any, these problems can be fixed by engineering. And if the core developers aren't going to do it, I mean, even other people have talked about this. If the miners and core developers don't want to change something, then the services built on top of the applications will change it the way they want it. If whatever the community wants, it can be done regardless of who's going to do it. So whatever decision the core developers make, the purple, the people who make the applications will fix what they want to give the community because they're the ones ultimately serving the people with real physical needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just sucks that the fees are rising. Yeah. I mean, it sucks, but it's not like the fees we're talking about. We went from like fractions of a penny to a little bigger of a fraction of a penny, but it still costs four but, pennies to send $500,000. I mean, but the, the end result is that if you want to use Bitcoin, you're going to have to pay an extra few extra cents. It's not bad, but at the same time, it goes against, you know, what it was created for. No, no, no. That's not, that's not true because the the whole idea is that as time goes on and the circulation of Bitcoins drops due to the algorithm in terms of, to the algorithm of inflation, as less and less money gets pumped into the system, that's by a math equation, the, the, the fees from the blocks overtakes that. The fees go up. In order to substantiate or subsidize the miners, there needs but, to be an incentive for the miners to to mine blocks, and they have to be that that's going to come from fees as time goes on, and less and less from the block reward. Well, okay, but what that comes from either that comes from either more transactions in a block of very very almost free fees, which is really hard to do, or a somewhat or higher fees. And there's a middle ground to that. You can have more transactions into a block through scaling, uh, but you you also need to take into account a certain amount of fee market. 
there has to be a competitive fee market, which also allows for a slew of other businesses to take into a place with dealing with the fee market. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a whole part of Bitcoin that is ripe with opportunity for people to create businesses on top of. I'm not, I'm not talking about yeah, taking but, advantage of people, but creating legitimate businesses that serve real purposes. Go ahead. When it comes to like the claim that Bitcoin could one day replace cash, though, I mean, if I, if I pay $2 for my morning coffee in cash and I don't have to pay any amount, no matter how small or seemingly insignificant, why would I? Why would anyone? For people who do a lot of transactions too, even pennies add up. I don't. I don't think it's a uh, a matter of higher fees. It's about a loss of usability and users, and it's. Uh, but you are paying fees. Away. You are paying. Not fees. my cash. You never use a credit card. You're paying a shitload. You're not me paying a shitload, but the merchants paying, paying a shitload. But paying with cash, you're, you're you're subject to the government. You're you're losing the power of your dollar every day because of inflation and and, and, and corruption. You have you trust a trust a third party. You're paying the banks to have that money. The cash comes from somewhere, and yeah. you pay you essentially pay the banks for that for that currency to be in in circulation. It's it's kind of an, a a three off fee, but in, in, in which you don't recognize when you're using it on an everyday basis. But like I've I've felt the amount of money that I'm paying to use the Brazilian real because because my Paycheck has gone to almost half of its current worth in the one year that I've been here because of the way the government is using their money. Mm. See, that's something that we don't experience here, Cello, that a lot of people around the world do that always gives Bitcoin to me that other that huge value of, hey, when you use Bitcoin, you can tell your government to fuck off. They can't take it from you. You have the private key. What are they going to do? Besides waterboard you. Oh, <laughs> took it there. <laughs> I went there. The Kazinga. Got it. Uh, this whole thing is scary. Anyways, um, yeah, if, if black uh, Dodge Chargers start rolling up outside of your crib, yeah. you need to shut this podcast down. Well, <laughs> the effects of indecision, are, I mean, they're, they're beginning to pile up. It's just going to continue on through this week. But I'm glad we addressed it. And, yeah, uh, man. Let's get I mean, on the happier shit. Let's get into this interview. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, let me just let me let me put the blame where it lies, though. I'm, I'm looking at Thamos for preventing the community from freely communicating because we're all about community. We have a platform to voice our opinions, so we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Don't you mean Thanos? And we should all band together and, and beat him up like the Avengers. He sucks. Yeah. All right. Uh, so this lady is not promoting anything. She's we just wanted to get her on for her good vibes. And yep. uh her name is Naomi Brockwell. You will probably know her as Bitcoin Girl. Um she had a pretty popular YouTube video uh parroting Taylor Swift. Um she basically just combined her twin passions for the arts and free market economics. And in order to spread an idea, <laughs> Ideas need a communicator. They need a representative. In short, they need a face. And what better face than an attractive redhead? So, Naomi. When you said good vibrations, I was thinking of that one song. Um, Good vibrations. Good vibrations. Who sings that? Beach Boys. Beach Boys. There we go. Can't forget the Beach Boys. All right. Anyways, here it is. All right. First question. Uh, so how did you go from, from hearing about Bitcoin to trading in the future market to becoming a policy associate to then educating people about Bitcoin? I know you see like Bitcoin as a, as a technology and the incredible potential, which is quite powerful. But what other aspect really led you to that like aha moment? Well, I was really drawn to the underlying philosophy of Bitcoin. What I love most about Bitcoin is that it's decentralized. Uh, there's no central focal point for the government to shut down. And so it's basically enabled competing currencies. And I think it's long overdue. Um, I come from a background of Austrian economic theory. So I really like that. Um, well, well, that really informed my opinion of Bitcoin. I 
think that there has been a monopoly on the money supply for a really, really long time. And whenever you have a monopoly of anything, you have lack of innovation in that area, especially when it's government owned. So I, um, I really liked all of the potential that was behind Bitcoin. I mean, they did something, they did something that no one thought was possible, right? You have digital space and, uh, they, they basically created, um, a, a way for a digital entity to not be duplicated and that's i mean that's revolutionary so that all just really inspired me um the community really inspired me so i actually learned about bitcoin uh from my housemate at the time and uh he was really into it his friend was really into it they were um doing a lot of programming in that space and they like there's this thing called bitcoin i'm like i have no idea what you're talking about um (laughs) so they walked me through it i mean i don't pretend to be uh you know to come from that technical background at all Mm. i am i am (laughs) you know i i just actually i just started to learn to code a couple of weekends ago and i'm terrible so, uh, you know, that, that's definitely not my forte. Um, but no, my, my, my friends were really into that and very computer savvy. And so they basically walked me through it. And we all come from the same philosophical background as well. So they knew that I'd be very interested in this. They were trading on um, different futures markets as well. So they, they were doing well. I was doing terrible. It turns out trading is not my forte either. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person who's, who's like, oh, it's a bull run. I better buy in now. And then it crashes. And I'm like, shit, you know. And, <laughs> and I didn't learn. So I uh, lost a bunch of money there. But really, you know, enjoyed just getting involved with the community. And it's just, you know, I, I, I think Bitcoin is, is going to cause a financial revolution. Awesome. Agreed. It's, it's hard not to FOMO when the price is doing what it does sometimes. You're like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to miss out on all these all these gains. Oh, there's there goes yeah. my money. Yeah, there goes my money. That's it. Yeah. No, I, actually, I, w- I was saved a little while ago because I have, um, I have two-factor on my phone and I was in Canada for a bit. And uh, the two-factor wouldn't work over there because I couldn't – actually use my phone when I was in Canada so I couldn't access my account and at that stage uh the price started to really go up and I was like shit you know I, I can't buy in now I can't access my account maybe I should start a new account um and then I it saved me actually so thank goodness for my really really shitty uh phone service nice thank goodness for shitty phones <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was I got introduced to you um, through uh, your your YouTube videos and uh, your love song for Satoshi White Paper <laughs> was like a huge hit. Um, I guess for people that were just kind of wondering how much work actually goes into a video like that, could you kind of walk us through the creative process to get something like that created? Oh gosh, um, well I mean it's not work if you love what you do. Uh, <laughs> no, so I um. True. Generally, when I when I go home, uh, when I say home, I mean back to my origins, back to Australia. I, a lot of my friends are in film, and so I tend to just really enjoy filming stuff. So I I um I thought, what am I going to do this time? And I was, you know, I was mega into Taylor Swift. I still am. I mean, I am not afraid to admit it. Uh, you guys can judge me all you want, but <laughs> I I think she's great. Uh, and also, I mean, Infosec Taylor actually got me into Taylor Swift. Isn't that a funny roundabout way of uh, of getting in there? But anyway, I, I was listening to a lot of Taylor and I thought, you know what? There is such a lack of music uh, in Taylor Swift's catalog that addresses either Austrian economic theory or cryptocurrency. I didn't <laughs> understand it, but there was, uh, you know, I thought, well, there's obviously going to be a market for this because of all those people in the world that really like cryptocurrency and also like Taylor Swift. So, you know, I'll make this product for those two people. Um, and so I wrote a song before then and, and recorded and everything and then went to Australia and filmed a bunch of stuff in the wonderful Australian bush areas and then filmed the other half when I got back to New York so I could have Manhattan skyline in the background and um then just yeah just edit it together I'm an editor by trade so it wasn't it wasn't that big a deal to put that together and yeah it was, it was super fun I, I I enjoyed 
most of all, um, creating the giant Satoshi Nakamoto white paper. That was pretty awesome. And then uh, having my friend Josh just wandering around Manhattan wearing it in a white spandex suit. That was also very enjoyable. For me. Yeah, I like that part. Yeah. yeah, I think that in future I'll just I'll just write music videos that require one of my friends to dress up in spandex. <laughs> so this is just a one-off. I mean, you could be like the weird owl of Bitcoin. <laughs> totally. Well, yeah. No. Well, so I've done a few. I, I did the Uptown uh, Girl cover, Bitcoin Girl. That was the the first one. I've done Surfdom USA, which is more Austrian economic theory, uh, a nice uh, Beach Boys ripoff. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know, I, I really enjoy making nerdy music video covers that only a few people in this very small niche we live in actually get. I love it. I love it. And I mean, I, I think I was just poking around YouTube and I saw it and then I went back and looked at all your videos. So I think that's going to be the most case for most people. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, it, was, it was good fun, and I'm I'm incredibly thankful to to Rob who shot the footage for me and in Australia, and then uh, to my friends who helped out in New York. It was really cool. Shout out to Rob. Shout out to Rob. And New York. Shout out to New York always. Shout out to New York. All New of all New York. York. I love you all. <laughs> so, uh, going back to the root of all of what you do, what's your What's your main purpose of using the combination of film, comedy, internet content? Is it to show the positive side of the emerging digital uh, digital currency technology? Uh, do you just aim to entertain, or are you trying to achieve mass adoption? Are you trying to educate, edutain? What, well, uh, I want to single-handedly uh, create mass adoption. No, I, I think that <laughs> a lot of people find, I mean, obviously economics is intimidating to most people. I think cryptocurrency or anything computer-related is very intimidating to people. Uh, I, I feel like I barely have my head around it, even though I know a lot more than the average bear. So if I can be the the bridge that provides that, that um you know, that bridging between the people who really understand the technology and those who I think might really enjoy it if they could understand it, then that's what I want to do. I want to be able to communicate these ideas in a way that's relatable and entertaining because unless, I mean, they call it the dismal science, right? Um, no one, no one's interested in understanding economics. They think it's very dry. Uh, i I'm one of the few people in the world that actually really enjoys reading economics books. So if there's any way, you know, that I could use film or use humor uh, just to communicate these ideas to people and make it engaging, get people to listen, I think that you can create tremendous positive change in the world. Hmm. That's funny because my next question is about economics and hopefully it's not too dry. So, <laughs> All right. I, I know you have a vast knowledge on how Bitcoin can help emerging countries and i read that this week about a new un paper that said that bitcoin is too uh libertarian to save the developing world and that escaping weak local institutions might help individual people but it does little to empower like the broader social majority who remain reliant on the existing systems do you have any thoughts on that agree disagree so were they saying that bitcoin provides little for these for the masses i think that was his argument yes okay well, I mean, when you talk about existing systems, so many countries, there are no existing systems. Uh, if you take all the countries around the world that are going through hyperinflation right now, I mean, that existing system has completely failed those people. I don't think it's a matter of saying everyone needs to adopt Bitcoin. I think it's a matter of saying now you have a choice. And once people start to learn that they do have a choice, I think that you know, they're gonna, they're gonna choose whatever works best for them. Obviously, in a country where you have corrupt governments or you have hyperinflation, then Bitcoin is gonna be the better choice because it's, you know, it, it's just not controlled by corrupt forces, by centralized authority that can manipulate it to their advantage. So, really, I mean, that's why I think educating people about this, making it less intimidating is so important because it, is such a valuable tool. It has such incredible potential to help people. If people could just understand it, if we could just remove those barriers to entry. Mm, those are tough, though. It's sometimes oh, yeah. kind of hard. <laughs> uh, Always. 
kind of hard. I mean, try explaining the blockchain to someone, you know, who's never heard of Bitcoin. It's like, it, I mean, it, it's a tough job. And so you start in small doses and you just let people know you have a choice. There's this other thing. Um, I mean, I, what I found chatting with people is the best way to educate them is to actually just show them how to use it. I've set up so many accounts for people and shown them how easy it is to transfer dollars into Bitcoin or vice versa and shown them all these websites that accept Bitcoin. And once people realize that, oh, it's just like using my Visa card, except more secure, then they tend to be converts, actually. Yeah, I think Circle is the app I usually go to. Just oh yeah, hook them up with Circle, send yeah, them well, some bits. I, 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 yeah, I like the analogy that people use about computers. I I don't know how the how my computer works inside. If I was to take it apart, I wouldn't be able to put it back together again. So having an in depth understanding of that really isn't necessary for me to make use of it and to benefit greatly from it. I mean, the same applies to Bitcoin. Absolutely, absolutely. So to uh, switch gears a little bit, talk about film. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> so, there's uh, quite a few uh, films coming out of the Asian market, and we're wondering when a few U.S. films will start tackling the Bitcoin theme. Does Rainsworth team or any affiliation you're with have any plans for a Bitcoin-centered film? Well, I've been – I've um... – I was the associate producer on a, on a film last year called The End of Money as We Know It. And that was a really great in-depth understanding of the history of money. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, and apart from that, I mean, I, I've, got, I've got a few things in the works and obviously always have music videos because I just have a, a weakness uh, for that. But, I mean, what... what do you think that there's a predominance of films coming out of Asia about this? Uh, there's a uh, there's a Bitcoin heist film coming out in uh, Vietnam, uh, and I'm just start, I'm thinking that you know it has a pretty big budget, so I'm thinking a few more are going to follow. Nice. Yeah, I actually interviewed Na. Um, you know that guy who wrote the song "Fuck Communism." Did you did you ever listen to that? It went viral, like millions and millions and millions of views. Anyway, he's a guy from Vietnam and amazing, amazing guy who's basically been threatened by the state if he ever returns because you can't say anything like that in Vietnam. And um, yeah, he's he's totally into Bitcoin as well. He he says that it's um it's definitely a growing movement there. I mean, China has created the the Bitcoin price surges all along the way, you know, and the price drops when, when China wanted to ban it, etc. So I think that the Bitcoin market and the Bitcoin price is very sensitive to what's going on in China because there's just a huge amount of people that are interested in it. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that, that Asia is, is coming out with a lot of videos. Mm -hmm. I saw some scary comment today about if China decided to nationalize all the Bitcoin mining farms. I was like, <laughs> ooh, that what? would be a blow. In, in China? Huh? In in China, they're planning on doing that. Oh, I hope they don't do that. That would be a blow, wouldn't it? If they but, nationalized it. I mean, can can you even do that? Like, it's it it seems that I it just seems like it wouldn't be possible. I, well, I, I thought mean, that's what nationalization yeah. meant when a country just goes and says, "Hey, you know all that cool stuff you've been doing, companies? It's ours now. We're just going to." Well, take I guess it. I mean because you have central focal point in the companies, they could definitely nationalize those. I think that the great thing about about Bitcoin is that there are no barriers to entry, and individuals can then you know create new ones. So yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm if you're worried about market share going too much towards governments i don't think that's an issue because more people could always enter the marketplace mm -hmm. so it's it's not saturated in that sense absolutely um have you seen the big short i have actually i've just finished reading the book as well i wanted to see if there were any differences good so then you're probably gonna knock this question out of the ballpark if a similar film surrounding silk road and mountain oh, gox came yeah. out totally uh, Oh, sorry. I keep going. I'm just getting really excited by that idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, say a parallel film, something came out surrounding Silk Road and Mount Goss. Do you think mm -hmm. this would be good or bad for Bitcoin Go? Well, it depends who made it. Um, so, the thing that I liked about The Big Short was that it made a hero out of the short sellers 
short sellers are so important to trading because they basically enable better um, price determinations. So unless you have short sellers, you just have no information about how, how much something is worth. So I think that, that short sellers are definitely villainized, vilified, sorry, um, by media, by everyone, I, everyone's against naked shorts, all of that, because, you know, it, it's it's bad for a company if there are a bunch of people betting against it, right? So they've been vilified. And what I liked about the big short is that these people were the, the protagonists. They were the heroes of the film, especially Michael Burry. You know, he's the one who's had to sacrifice everything and who only just made it at the end and you were rooting for him all, the whole way. So I liked that. Now, the the difficult thing about Silk Road is – that the majority of people are... Uh-oh. Ro-ro. Oh, ro Ro-ro. We lost oh, you for a second. She's here. All right. Can you hear me? Yes, we're good. We're back. I am here. Where did you lose me? Um, You were, uh, you were talking about Michael Burry? Okay, yeah. So uh, I really liked that the big short made heroes out of the short sellers. So that was great. Um, I think that a Silk Road film that did a similar thing, if it, I mean, you know what? The, the Big Short accomplished something incredible because it explained CDSs and CDOs, mortgage-backed assets and, and, and um, mortgage-backed securities and, and all of these things that are just such jargon to the average person. So if they could explain these things in a lively film that was captivating and engaging the whole way, and also funny, you know, it was a funny film, then I think that there's hope for issues that mainstream uh, are against. For example, Silk Road. I mean, Russ Ulbricht was, again, vilified in the media. It was disgusting what happened to him. He was just, his name was slandered everywhere. He was never even indicted for murder, and yet people refer to him as this murderer. And it's it's just absolutely awful. So I have hope that a similar treatment might be able to explain to people what actually happened, who this person was, how he revolutionized you know, the free market by proving that, that free markets can exist and they, they can actually work. I, I, um, I think that if the same treatment can be made of the drug war, that's, that would be really amazing too because so many people just don't understand the devastation of the drug war is created um the mass incarceration in the united states is again it's disgusting yeah. and it's all because of the drug war so many lives are ruined and it's under this ridiculous pretense of oh you know we're helping these people we're saving them from themselves i, I don't understand how anyone could think that the government is saving anyone by throwing them in jail for smoking a joint you know it, it's it just drives me yeah. insane so i think that um, someone needs to make uh, a film like that about, about Silk Road. Um, and But it needs to be done carefully. It needs to be done as well as The Big Short. Otherwise, people won't understand it. I mean, first you have to convince people that the drug war is atrocious. And, and I mean, you start throwing around things like, oh, we should legalize heroin. <laughs> people just go like, oh, my God, what, what are they talking about? That would be the end of society as we know it. Um, so first you have to explain to people why it wouldn't be the end of civilization. And if you can achieve that, then you're in a, a home stretch. I think that the story is such a personable one. It has uh, heroes in it. It has villains in it. I mean, the, the absolute corrupt investigators involved with the case oh, yeah. who were then indicted for fraud and corruption, uh, that needs to be exposed. It needs to be shown that the prosecutors were just incredibly corrupt. The lead, lead people in the case were incredibly corrupt. And I think that it would be an amazing story that people need to hear. I say we try and get Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Let's get J.J. Abrams because you can never have enough lens flares. Yes, we need more lens flares. I just watched <laughs> Star Trek Into Darkness last night. So many oh, lens flares. He's so good. He does it so well. I mean, come on. Yeah, if you guys, I mean, if anyone wants to hear Lynn Ulbricht speak, she'll be at Freedom Fest this um, this year, which is in July. And she's just, I mean, it's it's such a heart-wrenching story what, what uh, her and her family have gone through, and especially Ross. But it's really important that, that people hear it. So check it out if anyone wants to see her. Absolutely. All right, last question that I have for you uh, in 10 words or less. Can you, Naomi, describe Bitcoin? <gasps> yeah, that's what we like. I, I, I've got my fingers up so that I can. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Bitcoin is money for the internet. That's what I got. Right. Man, people are getting better and better at this, man. Yeah, I told D that for now on it's going to be like in exactly 14 words. Can you describe I need to make it harder. <laughs> people are knocking it out of the park. Well, Naomi, um, thanks so much. If you ever do another parody video, uh, shout us out a line. That would make our year, I think. <laughs> totally. Give me a suggestion. Send suggestions my way, and I'll, um, I'll, I'll write one. Sweet. Uh-huh. Let's see what cool. we can do. Thank wow. you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful evening. Pleasure so much. You too. You too. Thank you. <laughs> See ya. And that was the interview with Naomi Brockwell. Hope you loved it. She's delightful. As is her art history, artistry. Delightful. And yes, just a delight. Like Another Aussie. Yep. We we like to go international with the Bitcoin podcast. As delightful as a freshly baked chicken pot pie crust delightful that is, is that delightful. what you think about when you hear delightful chicken that, crust? that picture was delightful i appreciate I you saying that i think of <laughs> I flaky, one now. flaky golden brown crust that's risen quite a bit since you put it in the oven and you just you, you know you pop it open with that fork you see the steam come out you're like mm-hmm. damn i can't wait to get into some of those peas and carrots and chicken this is gonna be fucking delightful so yeah, Naomi's time. interview was as delightful as chicken pot pie crust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, moving on from the interview, uh, what what to talk about? What to talk about? We before the interview we talked about you guys relaxing about what's going on with Bitcoin. The community just needs to take a fucking chill break. Okay, everything's gonna be fine. Did I say chill brick or chill, chill. break? You said chill break. Chill break. Everything's going to be chill. Bitcoin will be fine. Uh, remember, the users have control. A wise man once told me that. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. So weird. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's keep it moving. Okay. Um, <laughs> we, we were literally just told that interview we just, that we just took. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Corey said that, that we shouldn't talk about Ethereum, so maybe we should talk about Ethereum. <laughs> sure. We're going to talk. Oh, okay. I, I have a good a good in- introduction into or like a entry point into Ethereum. Um, so a lot of people are worried that Ethereum is going to take over Bitcoin, or it's like it is what Bitcoin should be, and that. It is essentially the death of Bitcoin, whereas I don't think that's that's the case whatsoever. Um, and, and if you look and read in the Ethereum forums, that they don't either. They're not trying to push that. That's not why they're building Ethereum, and that's not where in the, the road they're trying to go. I mean, Bitcoin is a is a storage of value and a currency, and it allows for the. And it's mainly focused currently and mainly on transacting value and digital assets, whereas Ethereum is more based on the applica- the the decentralized applications in which it it opens up for. So a lot of the platforms that couldn't be built in a decentralized way um, can be built on Ethereum. And it, the use cases of smart contracts is really really cool. But the token that they trade on the network Ether isn't really being used as a storage of value or uh, like as as a as a currency, an exchange currency, it's used to buy what's what they consider gas that runs the applications. So in order to run an application or de or a decentralized application called a DAP on the Ethereum network, you have to buy gas with Ether, mm-hmm. right? And then other contracts and other contracts. So it allows contracts to talk to contracts and pay for other contracts, so on and so forth. And it's a really cool way of dealing with applications, talk to applications, so on and so forth. But that doesn't mean that the price has to rise to do that. Um, with the deflationary way of, of Bitcoin and the way in the model that it's being used in terms of transacting value, it's a really good method for storing value in a digital way. It's Bitcoin, it's, it's digital gold. It's all the benefits of gold without the gold, as someone once said, I forgot who. And you can transact 
you can use it as money in a really, really cool way. So all of the ways you can think about paying somebody for something can be used with Bitcoin. So they're almost orthogonal to each other or they overlap and, and help one another. And the, the invention of one does not negate the other. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin has the power to do anything that Ethereum can, though, right? No, uh, it's, not it's all about now. governance. No, that's not it. That's that's it's it's structured in a completely different way. There's no proof of of stake. It's proof of work. So the way that it secures the network is completely different. It's it has a lot of overlap in the way the things do, but in terms of Ethereum, it's much more generalized. It's not made solely. It's not. For the purpose of transacting value, so so on and so forth, it can, but that's not why it's being built. Okay. And the, any types of applications are on it are not being built for that. Some will say that that's why it's made and it's it's there to take over Bitcoin, but they're not they're not right. But you know what they say? They say sometimes you satisfy a purpose when you're trying to fulfill another. That's true, but you have to also think about all of the infrastructure and time. And people and and sweat and all the things that have gone into the Bitcoin network that's worth a lot in itself, and it's not very easy to just switch over to another network that runs on completely different fundamentals. I'm calling the media rush now. You guys, I posted it to you in Facebook, or so, <clears throat> yeah, in Facebook Messenger. But the media is gonna if Ethereum keeps taking off like it is, rocket boarding on up. It, the media is going to say, is Ethereum the Facebook to Bitcoin's MySpace? Uh, we could have a new conti- – that's going to be the spins. I can see it right now from a mile away. Or Two free months. market. Well, it's, the people will say wrong things in the media. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, so when you guys start reading articles like that, make sure you tweet that shit with hashtag just two guys and then uh, say uh, – Host number two, D, is Nostradamus. Hashtag just two guys. Do that. Okay. And if oh. anybody who listened to me go on that rant, if you think I'm wrong, please write us and tell me why. Absolutely. So and then Corey time, will tell you that you're wrong for challenging him. Absolutely. I'll say, <laughs> suck it. Yes. First off, you're wrong. All right, now let me get into the meat of this. <laughs> I'll use the, sta- the, the standard physicist response of, let me, I know you're an expert and I'm not an expert, but let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess this is that time to wrap things up. Uh, speaking of the, you guys out there in the community, if you tweet Bitcoin is the shit, hashtag just two guys, you might get some candy from us. Um, Literally candy. I've got a shit ton of butterscotch that I'd never eat. So we'll need your old man. He's drinking Werther's. He's eating Werther's. Werther's (laughs) Oh, all day with the Werther's. All day with it. Just the way it crispity crunches when you bite into it. You're supposed to to crunch those. Supposed to suck on them like an old man. Uh, you have options. You know, nobody. You don't have to put into the box of sucking on the hard candy. Hmm. And anyways, tweet Bitcoin is the shit, uh, or you could even tweet personally to like one of us hosts, like Cello is the shit hashtag just two guys, or D is the shit hashtag just two guys at the BTC podcast, or Corey is the shit. Only, only females tweet me that. I don't yep. want. I don't. <laughs> I don't want men tweeting me that. Whatever. <laughs> tweet away, man. We just want you guys tweeting. Um, what else? Zapchain.com slash Z slash just two guys. Um, it's our Zapchain and we talk in there and people yeah. talk back to us. There's some good conversations in there. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way things are going. I am. We've, we've, we've grown it from zero members to 12 members. Up that, from nine. Up from week. nine. Yeah. So we're on the up and up. I, I told the CEO of Zapchain that we were going to be one of the biggest communities on Zapchain, and I haven't fulfilled that promise just <laughs> <No>. quite yet. <laughs> no, nope. but we will get there. Um, what else? Do you have? Uh, uh, let's uh, <clears throat> uh, next week. Oh shit! We got Roger Ver in the building. That's right. Bitcoin. Mm, I'm not going to say it because I could tell he doesn't like it. But Roger Ver <laughs> is in the house. Uh. He's only a couple years older than me. I keep thinking, like, these people are like... Don't say that. That makes me feel bad about my life, knowing that he's a good gazillionaire. 
And he's got... No, I'm kidding. But, wait, how old? He's only 30-some-odd? He's mid-30. He's 35, man. Damn. I keep thinking everyone that we interview is, like, old. But I'm old, so I'm, like, their age. Yeah. Yeah. We're just <laughs> outside of that generation, I think. They're the generation Xers. And we're millennials. Yeah. Well, we're he, cooler he, than they are, according to what society tells me about myself. He still has a ministry, and he gives us a sermon. Hey, man, Corey, you missed out on that. He does BJJ, too. Really? Yes, he does. How did They're, I not How did not I, that come up? He's an avid BJJ-er. Because D- Demetri talked about boxing, and then he dropped the call. Yep. Uh, <laughs> boxing? Uh, Who the fuck still boxes? I'm done with this shit. Yeah. What belt is he, did he say? Um, I'm pretty sure you can look it up pretty quick. There's pictures floating around Twitter of him learning or showing some sort of BJJ technique. I know this is derailing, um, but do you know Anthony Bourdain got his uh, got a belt from the Gracie camp at age yeah, 59? He's, he's a blue belt. He's a really good blue belt. He's, That's insane. He is a, he is a avid... Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner, and he's his wife is really good, so that's she's the one that got him into it, and he picked a damn good coach to go. I, that's the most legitimate place you can get it from, man. Well, I wouldn't say the most legitimate, but it's way, way, way up there. Yeah. I thought the most would be the streets. No. Oh, I got Brazil. my black belt in the streets. Oh, those, okay. The streets of Brazil. Wouldn't okay. those be the, the best place to get Jiu-Jitsu? Well, why don't you ask him like, a slice how the streets have taught him? <laughs> Oof, I heard about that. Which is depressing because all of his YouTube fights were so good. Well, I guess the fact that I said all of his YouTube fights <laughs> says a lot about it. Anyways, uh, what else? Twitter at the BTC podcast. Um, let's see the website, thebitcoinpodcast.com. You can sign up for the newsletter if you want. It's pretty. About 12 of you have signed up. And it's 12 from Zapchain, probably. It's probably, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, it's probably the same 12 dudes. Um, Meow Wow. Very awesome username, by the way. Thanks for joining the community. Uh, Shout out to Will. Just because, man, we know you're listening. (laughs) Do you guys have any shout outs to give before we wrap wrap it up? Yeah, I want to shout out McKibbins and Saucy. Yeah. McKibbins and Saucy. Yeah. Keeping the streets clean. Huh. Yeah, man. That was awesome. I hope that takes off for them. I'm making that jingle. Yeah. I'll pay somebody to make that jingle. I hope the offices sing that to them every day from now until. <laughs> I hope it just follows them around like a black cloud. <laughs> Give it inside. Like, Damn it. I never should have went on that podcast. Yeah. Uh, we can, uh, if Dimitri will be so kind, we can play Love Song for Satoshi Nakamoto White Paper, which is. A take on Taylor Swift, everything has changed uh, by our guest today. We can, you guys can have that as ear candy. Hold up. What's the name of the chick that plays, uh, uh, she's in, uh, Colombiana and she was the blue avatar alien? Oh, um. Zoe Saldana? Yeah. Ah, yeah. I want to give a special shout out to Zoe Saldana because you're awesome. That's it. I respect your marriage, but I just want to say you're awesome. All right, play the outro. Cause I know something now, know something now I didn't before. And all I've seen since logging onto the site for punk list, cryptography, decentralized money, bicycle making me feel like I just want to know you better know, you better know, you better now. I just want to know you better know.
Tell.